Hello everyone and welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast. We are your hosts, Kelly Dwyer. Ian Shaw and Avatar Joe. Avatar Joe. <laughs> um, Joe, please uh, explain explain what's happening here. Uh, I mean, this is my face. This is uh, for audio listeners because uh, if we do reels, you'll see that uh, Joe, you can't see his camera and he has um, we Avatar there. Yes, you're welcome, audio listeners. <laughs> you can't see that photo. <laughs> Why do I look like the guy from the Goonies? <laughs> but um, yeah, this is very uh, Joe typical fashion. Really, really got it, got it together, Joe. Every every week. <laughs> oh, this is Avatar this is what Joe. I'm here for. Avatar. <laughs> Avatar Joe is way more prepared than Joe. <laughs> Avatar Joe is way more entertaining than normal Joe. In fairness, I actually yeah, prefer I Avatar that. Joe. <laughs> Um, okay, so obviously we just had a very exciting week one. Um, can anyone say that they would have predicted what happened this week? Oh yeah, everybody had a tie happening. Yes, as we <laughs> as always. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I think that it, it. That's I always hear this from people. Don't anybody that follows us is like, don't overreact to week one, no matter what happens. So let's not go right off the rails that there's been a tie and nobody understands football anymore. Uh, but across the four games, it went relatively, as I think the majority of people thought it would go, in the sense that Razorbacks blew the Jets out, uh, Mavs beat the Eagles, Eagles. By, by a decent scoreline, and the SBC, or Premier Division, Shamrock Bowl rematch was a one-score nail-biter. Okay, I would say more people, I mean, all those ones doing like percentage, I would say more people had the Rebels winning it, sure. But uh, it was it was a fantastic game, and it came right down to the wire, as that fixture historically has done. The tie, the tie is the one that everybody's like, "Whoa, right, okay, that was a weird one." Yeah, that was like very, very interesting. Where do we want to start with this? Just to as we go through it. Well, I suppose we brought up the tie. Um, it makes sense, I suppose, to talk about what happened in UL first. Yeah, great. So let's talk about that. Um, and I agree with you, Ian. I think that we can't get too excited. Um, because nobody really knows what's happening until week three or week four. And I know traditionally after week one, I get very excited. I'm like, oh my goodness, this midfield is blown wide open. And I kind of think it also is a little bit open. Joe, you mentioned earlier that as someone who's going to play both these teams, you had like two thought processes (laughs) where one was like, oh, this is great. And then the other one was like, oh no, this could be really bad. (laughs) Yeah. I don't (laughs) I don't know if you want to talk us through both of those thought processes. Yeah, well, I suppose the, uh, I mean, you saw the kind of the way we went through the power rankings there last week. And, you know, I, I the Admirals fairly high still. I think, you you know, going into the year, how much weight do you put into retirement rumors and, you know, who's playing quarterback and all that sort of thing. At the end of the day, they still finished the regular season as the number two seed last year. So, you know, you get into a game like uh, what happened today and you see, was it halftime they were up 24 nothing, And, you know, I'm there at the UCD Rebels game thinking, oh, okay, well, that's the Admirals, you know, got that in the bag. And, you know, the Vikings are what you would expect from a team coming up from Div 1 where, you know, like we did last year, we struggled against the typical Premier Division team, Premier Division playoff teams. And the Admirals are who they were last year, which is teams or a team that beats the teams they should beat. And then you get to the second half and you get to the fourth quarter 
And I keep getting these buzzes on my phone saying, UL have scored, and UL have scored, and UL have scored. I'm just there thinking the whole time, okay, let's just calm down. Because at the end of the day, great result for UL, has to be said. But as far as me wearing my Minotaur's helmet goes, is Cork a good team that you know, the Vikings came back against and showed there as much quality. Mm-hmm. Did Cork blow a first half lead? And that's what I'm interested to see over the next few weeks. I think that's the big, the yeah. big storyline isn't of this week. Isn't UCD beating the rebels. It's what, you know, what did Cork do or what didn't they do from this game? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that UCD beating the Rebels, although it is, I mean, you could consider it an upset. Um, they have tradition. They they are two close teams, so that being an absolute slobber knocker and going over and back and over and back is just kind of the spectacle that we expect from both of those teams. I agree with you. I think the biggest um, upset is this this tie, and that it's hard to take it, hard to know what to do with it. My opinion is that Cork is a good team. Cork of always been a good team they're also a team that usually starts off a little slow and then gets stronger towards the end of the season <laughs> that's the word i'm looking for thank you avatar joe thank you avatar joe at the end of the season. award-winning podcast everyone <laughs> <laughs> season that's the word but they're also a team that gets stronger towards the end of the season and when we've seen that and we've seen that i think for the last two years which is all the years since covid it is a uh, their trend so you know, I don't doubt that Cork is a good team. I think that we shouldn't make the same mistake of, of sleeping on them um, that we have done in the past. And I also think that any team that can come back from that type of a deficit to tie up a game is also a good team and is also a team worth paying a little bit of attention to. It's one of those, Joe was like, did the did Cork play really well or, or did they blow a lead? I'm sorry to any admirals listening. It doesn't matter how you slice it. Cork did blow a lead they'll be kicking themselves they didn't put the game to bed at 24-0 like it's a it's a huge gut check not to take away from Limerick it's a huge gut check for a young Vikings team and I think it's a tied game that we're gonna talk about weekly all year because it has such an uh, like a trickle down effect impact the Knights and the Minotaurs are now looking over their shoulder tonight being like oh um we're gonna we're now half a win behind them straight off the bat and the Trojans and the Panthers will be thinking okay so we're I mean, again, no disrespect to Limerick, but the Trojans and the Panthers will have Limerick circled as a win, right? I mean, at least the Panthers will. They have them at home. Trojans have got to go on the road. I get that that can be tricky. But the Trojans and the Panthers will be sniffing playoff games now and potentially home playoff games. I'm not writing the Admirals off after week one. Absolutely not. I think I had them at four in my power rankings. The the rumours of the demise of their retired players were greatly exaggerated and they're back. And like we knew that... Uh, QB2 uh, Kennedy, isn't it? I, I'm spacing on the name here. Jake or Jack? Avatar Joe, yeah. help me out. It's, uh, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, Kennedy. Um, J. Was Kennedy. J. Dot Kennedy. <laughs> Good save. Will, uh, Thanks, he'll, Avatar he'll, Joe. He'll be able to operate that offense. But the quarterback that I'm thinking about the most coming away from this, that'll be keeping opposing DCs awake at night, will be Finn O'Donovan. Absolutely. So I mentioned him in the pod last week, and I mentioned him in the sense that I thought that the Trojans' pass rush, which needed to improve off the back of last season, might handle him a little bit better than more experienced Premier Division passers. (laughs) No. Uh, His dual threat ability was on full display, and they're going to be in all eight of their games this year. Uh, 
and they know now they've got that it's a weird thing they don't want to spend the whole season down 24 nil that's not a way to play or win games but the next time if they go down at some point this year down 24 nil they'll be like Every time we've been down 24 points this year, we haven't lost the game. Like, <laughs> we've scored. We've come back and scored 24. So. But that's a real thing. They'll be down like, what is yeah. that? Four scores in the huddle being like, <laughs> guess we're tying again. Like it gives, they're, they're so young. They don't actually know how to lose in the Premier Division yet. They haven't lost in the Premier Division this season. Well, so they haven't. As, yeah, as much as we're making fun of it, they're undefeated. That's no, a fact. They, I'm not making fun. Like I, I, I am a little. Very, very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it is like what a fantastic arrival to the premier division to go down by that much and to still come back and and it is a, it's a mentality thing it kind of i feel like there's no cobwebs on these guys no. you know they've just blown them off straight away um i i think Finn O'Donovan, yes like he will probably be keeping people awake at night just cuz he is a fabulous athlete as well mm-hmm. like he is a very very athletic he has the football iq and he has an arm but he also is an incredible athlete so much so that he, I mean, he runs like a running back. Like he is, he he has that physicality about him as well. It's his age that's getting me though. Uh, Joe, you're a Premier Division quarterback, and you can maybe speak to this better than us. He is such a young fella, and he's down twenty four nil. And I know you've been down twenty four nil before. What's going through his head when he's down twenty? He, he's been down twenty four nil though. And like he's got all these other players looking to him, being like, "We're losing by four scores. How do we get back into this?" And yeah, they didn't win, but they got like not only got back and scored a couple of touchdowns, they tied. That tie could keep them up. They had the opportunity to win, right? Right at the death. Yeah, mm. uh, Miss, Miss PAT, I think. Yep, correct. But Joe, sorry, Avatar Joe. Yeah, I think like that's that kind of comes, I think, from coaching. Like we've talked. You know, we love Liam Ryan on this show. I think we're we're very much pro Liam Ryan, uh, a pro Liam Ryan co- podcast. I think the stuff that he, the sort of philosophy he kind of instills in those lads, really helps with the sort of mentality and the attitude when they go into a huddle four scores down, like you said, Ian. Like they're always a play away from breaking. Again, Finn, what was it, seventy yards? Um, yeah. Oh, it wasn't a wee touchdown. play. Yeah, yeah. 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 It wasn't. It wasn't like he ran, you know, four yards and a speed option. Like he he went the distance from like, from the sounds of it, from like a kickoff. Yeah. They kicked it off. Got the return. Grand. Okay. We're starting a twenty-five yard line or whatever we're starting at. First play. Boom. Like, that's what it sounds like. At least as we're coming, maybe five hours away from the end of the game. There. Um, like you know they have that type of athleticism in them so they know that they just need one break and again it it gets them right back in the game and we saw it there yeah and that is a very elite mindset to know that you Mm. just stay in the game and you wait for your break and then you take your break once it's there you know um and do you know what i like about ul as well i like that we're hearing the same names now for the last like two three years from Mm -hmm. that club so listen to this um kind of game summary that that I have, which is um, that Cork, I think it's fair to say Cork started much stronger as the stronger team, a convincing stronger team in the first half, Absolutely. for sure. You know, um, they got their first score in the first quarter out of two points. I mean, I can imagine being a young team in that situation when you get your first score scored against you, you know, in a Premier Division, you start to go, oh no, <laughs> oh no, this could be quite... Those guys yeah. absolutely, didn't. absolutely did not. They absolutely didn't, you know. And then he's like, and then a couple of long 
touchdown passes as well, which is a credit to the the Admirals um, QB. Um, Jan, of course, having like a fantastic game. And another receiver, I have 88 here, and I don't know um, what name goes with number 88. But, I mean, it's no surprise that the Admirals have a good passing offense. I think that they've had that there for a long time. So not not surprised to see that happening. Um, they also apparently had a very good run game. Um as well, which we haven't always seen a strength and run game from the Admirals. So this is why I'm not convinced that the Admirals are not a good team. I think that we have to acknowledge that they are a very, very good team still. Um and they also showed up on defense as well with big stops by of course Mulray and Io, who are two fantastic players, Wolfhounds, and again the the retirements didn't last that long and nor should they because as a club, you want your best players to play, and that's what you endeavor to do. So, <laughs> when your vets retire, you do everything that you can to bring them back for you know one more season. Every single year. <laughs> Every single year. <laughs> um, so yeah, to be twenty-four up at the half, like as an Admirals player, you're probably feeling like quite comfortable with that. And I just think whatever was said, whatever adjustments that were made, this not only was it an athletic win by the Vikings but it also has to have been a coordinator's win you know you don't just go Mm. up 24 points and also stop a team that is effectively scoring without some nice adjustments and I think that 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 is spot on that's one of the fire alarms that's going off in my head they blew a 24 point lead right but the Vikings shut them out in the second half what what happened like why did you why did you stop scoring for a whole half that's the question to answer and and this is what I mean by you know there there are some there's some high IQ stuff going on with this. I think it's I think it is a game worth paying attention to. And then we're seeing, as I was saying, the the same names like the offense led by QB Finn O'Donovan. Again, I think he's going to keep people awake. Danny Quilter, wide receiver, coming down with some really important catches. Some nice new names. So wide receiver Aaron O'Hallen is a name that we haven't heard before. He's a rookie, um, and he got the first score for the Vikings. So being a rookie to score your club's first touchdown in the Premier Division for the first time being in the Premier Division in a good few years, you know, is is quite a nice little thing to have in the CV. Uh, Rob Brown, another name that we know, and Jack McLean is a name that I that I don't know. So I think he could be um, quite new, stopped Cork offense. So those two were very important in the secondary. Um, and then Sean Grace catching the second TD. Another, Sean Grace is another like very athletic, very athletic kid. He can go like running back and receive. Do you know he's yeah. kind of one of these sort of knife type players? One two punch. They have Aiden Maher as well. That yeah. Nice one two punch from last year. Exactly. Um, and then third score was a strip return for, um, touchdown by Ushin Walsh on the next kickoff. So that tells me that the Vikings are also a team that can punish mistakes. Special teams was a. I know I'm teeing us up for the next game, but special teams seem to be an issue across the league, as it usually is in the opening couple mm-hmm. of weeks for a number mm-hmm. of teams. And again, then the next score as well is this 70 yard return by by Finn. And again, if you're getting 70 yards, anything, you're punishing a mistake somewhere. You've spotted a weakness, you've spotted a mistake, and you're punishing it. And you have to have that type of attitude to make it in the Premier Division. Like, not only do you have to play your game plan. You also have to be able to see a mistake and punish it. Um, so yeah, I think that it's a really like a very strong win for the Vikings. They will 
I think that they'll be quite happy, or not a win for the Vikings, sorry, a very strong draw. But even the fact that I'm thinking, oh, this is a win for the Vikings, goes it to feels show like how a win. this draw is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they won't be coming away from this disappointed by any means. I think they will think that they left something on the field by not getting that extra point to win it. But I think that it's not a bad thing to leave that game hungry. I right. will say, though, that the experience of the Admirals, they will be coming away kicking themselves that they didn't win this game because yeah. there's no doubt that they were fully capable of winning that game. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, yeah. I don't think that there's a, a doubt there, but it's just that they didn't like hammer it home. You know what I mean? They didn't just get that one more score that they needed to just really put it out of reach. Yeah, I think you look as well that like the Vikings had more scoring drives. Although, I mean, I know one was a defensive score, but the Vikings scored four times. Admiral scored three times. So the Vikings, you know, were more successful. Again, like, and it comes back to what you were saying, Kelly, about it being feeling like a win. It is a mental win for the Vikings. Like they know they can hang and, you know, that's going to give them confidence going into next week a team that wasn't as successful as the Admirals traveling, what is it, four and a half hours or five hours? Probably four and a half. Is it from Belfast? Down to Limerick? Yeah, like, it's, it's long enough, yeah. That's a, that's a long a long enough bus drive to be to, to be in there and then having to warm up for a game. like So, you know, again, I'm not necessarily calling an upset for next week, but I wouldn't exactly rule UL out either at this stage now. Oh, the Trojans themselves will be on upset alert. It's again, it's no disrespect to them. They'll be like, "Wow, right, we're up really early in the morning. We're down there. It's a pretty quick, sharpish warm up. Let's not let this team catch us napping." Especially with it, the one thing that has me on upset alert with it a little is that, and it, it does count for a lot. The Vikings have just been in a great barn burner of a game. They're huge, twenty four twenty four tie. that feels like a win. The Trojans are yet to take the field, and that that is a big thing. Yeah, I'm not doing pickums right now, but they'll be on upset alert and, and correctly so. Yeah, and I would say coming out of this game, do you know, if we look ahead to even for the Admirals, the Admirals would have been hoping to face UCD at a a one and oh record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now and, and with UCD being O and one, how big yes. is Admirals UCD now all of a sudden? Like Yeah. So the, you know, this is gonna be this is a very different schedule for the Admirals than maybe what people have been expecting because exactly that we were expecting probably a one and O Admirals to face an O and one UCD. So that those games, which would be the twenty fourth of March, are, are gonna be maybe a little bit of a different energy. And then as well for the Vikings, like that, they're facing Trojans at home after what is a confidence builder. Like I think that that's not a bad next game in the schedule just given exactly that how far the trojans do have to travel and that the trojans are also somewhat in a in a bit of a rebuild themselves it's one of those again i'm just gonna put a little bit of water in the fire like i know we're not like i said we're not doing pickums i do think that the trojans will win that game in limerick it's gonna mm. be close but the true like the what I know it's a weird result to point to, but the Trojans beat the Cowboys last year six nil, and they were with their backup QB, and they had a lot of guys to blood into the team that were new. And but at the end of the day, they won six nil. You know, it, it's just they, they got the W, even though it was a little bit off, and they didn't play their best, and they're still learning. They got the W, and it's just the savviness of of uh, Premier Division teams with a bit of experience, which is why again I'm so impressed with what Limerick managed today. It, it's amazing how the schedules change so much. We've had we've had football back for about three hours. 
There's been three yeah. hours worth of football, and it's changed games all up and down the schedule. Like I said, the Knights, I said already, the Knights and the Minotaurs are now looking at this going, oh God, the Vikings are up a half a win more than we thought that they would be. Um, yeah. yeah. And I said kind of at the start of this, like, oh, you know, you know, maybe the, the midfield isn't, midfield of the, the table isn't so white blown wide open. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, actually, I think it yeah. is. Like, it is. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Because, you know, the, we had two teams. I think we had the Vikings and the Knights that we were considering would be playing to stay in the Premier this year. Vikings have to be thinking that there's a playoff spot up for grabs. You know what I mean? At, at this stage, given that you would expect that the Admirals would be there, thereabouts. I still think the Knights are set up. I'm going back to my prediction from week one. It's like betting <laughs> like against Mahomes. They physically, it's in the bio, they physically cannot be relegated. So I love the, the Vikings pluckiness but you know the, the knights can't be relegated it's it's a fact so. <laughs> and i love how i said we wouldn't get like too excited but here we are getting a wee bit excited don't um, get overreacted by week one. Oh my god <laughs> it defines the season yeah i know <laughs> oh yeah exactly so i think we'll be interested to see how both teams fare after this i think it'll be really important um to get a little bit of relativity i think you get that around week three week week four um i think that we do have to talk about ucd and the rebels even though we're saying like okay do you know it's not and it's not unexpected that they would be close teams it's not unexpected that they would play what is a fantastic opening game for the season but i just think like what a fanta- like fantastic display of football for week one what an advert for the league right like i mean mm. i was following it um big shout out to carice i was following it on uh on her Instagram, but yeah. you can see all the photos. Joe's there, and I, I don't know whether we're allowed to name <laughs> other podcasts and other media people, but they're all there. Like the, everybody's at the, this is the game to be at. Um, it, like I said, it was just, it's a great effort for for football in this country. I thought it was fantastic, but it, everybody's talking about it being a massive upset. I think like I personally had the Rebels winning by two points, so for yeah. UCD to win by two is a four point swing. That's nothing. At the end of the day, like. To summarize it, the Rebels lost the turnover battle and allowed a special team touchdown, which is simply how these these big, close matchups are often won and lost. Like, UCD are definitely in the driver's seat now for the one seat. I mean, I think both these teams, one's 1-0 and one's 0-1, but both teams are going to the playoffs. You know, yeah. But um, UCD have a, a lead, like a leg up on them now. It's But it's so slender, it's almost negligible like they have the momentum but the rebels have now circled that second ucd game in the calendar and like right we need to win this by three um a big way to win it by three would be kicking field goals joe i think i'm right to say that they they didn't attempt to kick a field goal or a pat all day i don't think either team the only kicks were kickoffs and punts i don't think any team tried for for you know just a one point after a touchdown both were going for two i don't think the rebels have attempted a kick since since COVID, if I'm honest. And again, it's, it's yeah. not a right or wrong thing. It's just, that's their identity, their philosophy. They just elect to go for two and, and don't kick field goals. But I just think it's so weird like, to, 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 to not have that option, like especially when you're down by two. like They mm. know they need to score a touchdown there rather than kick a 30-yard field goal and, and win that way. I blame even... Dan Campbell. <laughs> Dan Campbell. Thanks, Avatar I, Joe. I, I thought Avatar Joe meant Sheen Campbell for a second. Then I was like, "Whoa, that's." <laughs> I did for a second as well. I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, hmm, "Okay." <laughs> but that would be. I mean, there was a time where teams were kicking field goals 
because I mean I think it's normal you know across the league we're not seeing many field goals um, there was a there bunch was... kicked in Shamrock Bowl 33 including a really long one from the Panthers like a, like a 55 yarder from the Panthers that was I still sticks that. in the memory yeah fantastic yeah. kick but the I mean like you know as a league we're kind of going we're we're leaning a lot more towards the two points than than the one points but even back when the rebels were the traditional rebels they always went for the one point they weren't really a kicking team and that a, a lot of the time that was how they won I don't mind the going for two all the time their offense is so huge why would you not want a fifth down like I think they're fantastic yeah. but I just it's the it's the lack of ability to to have the option to kick a twenty yard field goal. Rather than yes. try and convert yeah. from fourth and twenty, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Just like... I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's about not having it in the back pocket as opposed to using the two points as a strategy. All right, this is a bugbear of mine as well. UCD have just won an absolute massive game for them, and we're just talking about the rebels. I mean, I, I know we're not streaming, like, but I'm going to throw up to yes. you. <laughs> you have they played fantastically today. Like, I mean, did, I, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna list their good players because there's like double digits. They played brilliantly. They ran the ball as we predicted last week with various different cast members. Big ups to the O line. Played fantastically, and like they they staved off an unbelievable comeback attempt from mm. Ty and the the Johnson brothers and co. But like UCD's from what I heard, UCD's front seven played fantastically, and from what I saw from the stream. They were able to run the ball almost at will. And again, it was just a large part. I told you, Sean McVay, fantastic player, but they won't take that much of a step back running the ball because they'll just, they'll run by committee now. And they got some absolute animals running the ball. Like, they do. Uh, but what was amazing, and it, uh, you're right, it's a credit to the O line. I mean, the best stat for an O line is when you see multiple running backs do well. And all of the UCD running backs did really well. You know they they all scored. They all made big big yaks, or they all made big yards, and that is a cre- that's the biggest stat that an O line can have. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> is how well does the running back do? And it's it's a credit to them, but it's something that we've known, you know, about UCD for a long time. I I actually am very much on the board on on the the bandwagon of of being like I think that UCD do have the best the best line in Ireland I think that they're fantastic and I do I do like think I wonder if the game today was was won and lost on on the lines it's re- see if I disagreed with it, it'd be really hard to prove you wrong after watching <laughs> how that game went today like I mean they, they played fantastically the other thing I will say I think that that game was one of those games where both teams are wide awake now you know the oh oh yeah you know and uh so the preseason, like it's gone. You know what I mean? Like they are. I like... I would not want to be the next team in the schedule. Which again, we know for a fact is Admirals and Lim- Limerick, isn't it? I wouldn't want to be the next team the Rebels face or the next team the UCD face either of them because like they're both out of preseason now. They're both hot. Yeah, and it is something that you said kind of off camera and go loop around back to it because I think it was a really, really nice point where you said that the Rebels are probably the most dangerous team in the league at 0-1. Because... Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, I don't mind you saying that. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, they are. Because um, like they're they're sitting at home right now and they're stewing and they've got it on the like, bulletin board material. They've got it on the wall. They know, that they, they know their path is really straightforward to get the one seed. They yep. win out, which they're going to do, and they need to beat UCD by three. And they're the yeah. one seed, and nobody remembers this game. And, and then they're, they're good enough and disciplined enough and determined enough that they can make that a reality, in my opinion. And the the other thing that struck me as well, even to go back to to UCD, like UCD, 
they they won this game by such a small margin, but there were still those first game of the season little niggles that will be fixed by the end of the season. Even just talking about the the amount of like uh, false starts or um, the formations calls or the even you know you can see some new players the blocking schemes like I think open field blocking will get a lot better as the season goes on so I still even I still think that I know you're saying like the Rebels only have to beat them by three but both teams have a lot of potential growing between now and then for any Rebels listening that are thinking that we're going to like bash them for going 0-1 like not all losses are created equally the Rebels will not give up a special team touchdown the rest of the year like book it it won't happen but for anybody that didn't get a chance to watch the game um, I'm hoping that AFI gets more games streamed over the rest of the year because like gems like this should be seen by as many eyes as possible the game was decided Joe you were saying earlier on the game was decided by two points and the Rebels had the turnover on the two point conversion that resulted in two my heart breaks for them because watching it back, I'm convinced that it's an incomplete pass. Now, it's not a fumble. The UCD player gets it before it hits grass, but I like you've seen that play a million times and it, it hits the dirt. Like it is that slender a, a margin that is that created a two point loss. Like Ty's hit and his arm's definitely coming forward. It's going to hit the ground and the UCD player just scoops it before it touches the, the floor. Unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah, again, it it is. Uh, I do. Uh, it is a shame that we didn't get that game streamed. And you know, there's probably going to be a couple other gems that we miss before anything gets sorted out. Unfortunately, um, all I can say is hopefully sooner rather than later we can get a proper game of the week type of thing going. Um, but yeah, it is again like an 82 point game doesn't exactly come around all that all that often so when you do miss it and you can't kind of publicize and show everyone here look this is an advertisement for the game god if only these two were to meet at least once more the rest of the season yeah if only we could plan something in advance if only we had phones that we could do live streams onto instagram (laughs) i whoever did that um whoever did that live stream on the afi socials and the two minute warning though he's he's some gem (laughs) I think that was Joe Kennehan. We'll have to thank him later, Avatar Joe. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what as well is um, how close, it struck me how close some of those plays were. So you mentioned that play, um, Ian, but the other like two that stand out to me are that absolute like freak circus pass that I think it was one of the Johnsons, I think it was Greg Johnson, that, I mean, the ball Dan, I think. comes, was it Dan Johnson? Yeah. It was, like, Nine times out of ten, that ball is not caught. It's like he it went went to catch it, falls, the ball bounces up, and he catches it from lying on the ground. I mean, that that's it's ridiculous. But there was also mm. like other things. I mean, the margins were very fine. I, I saw the opening score for the Rebels, which was uh past uh, Andre Barlafa at the slot receiver he was in double coverage and the coverage was not bad it was not bad coverage yeah. it was just a really good catch and a really good reaction after the catch to get away from the coverage you know what I mean there was a good like physicality there and these are the the margins that these two teams play in so that's why it's like yes this is an upset I think it's an important upset that would that is kind of but more so, it's a bigger morale win than it is a massive schedule influencer. 
Do you know the one yes. thing that the rest of the league's watching? You know the film Predator? Yeah. Where Arnold Schwarzenegger cuts it and the Predator's bleeding and he's like, if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> Everybody can see the Rebels bleeding now, right? So I'm not saying that the Knights are going to go to training next week and be like, we're going to smash the Rebels. But everyone's like, oh my God, they are human. They can be beat. Because they haven't lost in like, what, 20, 24 regular season games or something mad like that. And well, like I said, I, that number. Ah. I think well, I think they run, I think they run the team. I think they they win their next seven personally, but they um they can be beat. Like that's a that's a fact. Now. They, they they do bleed like everyone else. So everyone else is now like, oh right, okay. And again, just to swivel on that, I do think that's that's what makes the rebels the most dangerous because they know that too. Yeah, <laughs> they know everybody's gunning for them, and when there's a target in their back, they're the most dangerous team in the league. But I also think that there is the target has also shifted from being the Rebels to UCD. Oh, they yeah, UCD are top of the, the Premier Division now, whatever way you want to slice it. So everyone wants to give them their best game. Yes. God, it's just better for football. Mm, yes, it's a good is. result. Okay, but we have to leave um, those games there. I think the one, the only thing that is definitely worth uh, a special like note that we didn't have the time to get to, I think is Tom Donovan's performance. Joe, I'll let you, you were there on, on the day, you were there today. Um, please describe Tom Donovan's performance <laughs> at, the, at that game. Uh, Tom Donovan do play the footballs good. That, that's about it. Um, Tom had, I, I don't know if it was about it was a 40 or 50 yard catch over the middle, like proper full extension, left hand out as far as he could get it. And Aaron Mooney just put it right there. It was fantastic. And then I think he ran another 20 yards into the end zone. I think he had another touchdown where he broke one or two tackles. Um, he had some couple. He had a couple good blocks as well that helped set big plays downfield. I think he was one of the. Um, I think he sealed the edge on one of the Russian touchdowns for Brandon Atwell. Uh, caught the game-winning pick, uh, plural, I suppose. If you if you um, count plays that were called back for penalties, obviously, I uh, when the Rebels got another chance right at the end because of a rough in the passer call, but um basically picked off the last two passes that tie through on the day. Um yeah, Tom Donovan is good at football. Uh breaking news. Yep. Very good news. So that's uh okay, yeah. we have to move on. We could go on about these other games forever and ever and ever. But um we have a fabulous guest for this week. Our fabulous guest is Jason. He's the chairperson of the Craig Avon Cowboys. Jason, you're very welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, let's go. Sure, we're <coughs> delighted to have you. And you're a first to the podcast, which is always nice. Yeah, first time on, but I've listened to many, many podcasts, so it's all good. That Joe one's a bit of a um, ass, isn't it? Yeah, we sacked him. We, we sacked him and brought an avatar, Joe. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. No, yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're talking about Joe Buchanan there, no? <laughs> no, no, not say a word about that man. <laughs> I think I would I would add Joe Buchanan to my list of nicest people in AFI. We were trying to think of a list of oh, like, the nicest people point, in AFI. We're gonna drop. We have to drop our list at some point. The top ten nicest <laughs> people in AFI. Joe Buchanan is, is on there, definitely. He's, he's on there. No, I wouldn't go that far. That's not good. <laughs> so, Jason, give us a little lowdown. How long have you been playing for the Craig Avon Cowboys? And how long have you been chairperson? Uh, so, I've been playing from, what, 2016? I've been in the juniors. 
uh, read there for a year, kind of felt out of it. Um, and then about a year later, it came back in. So 2017 was my, like, my probably my first proper season um, playing senior. Uh, really loved it. Kind of knew that I wasn't the best, but I wasn't, you know, I was willing to try and get better at it. Um, been chairperson now for just over what since September, October time. Um, so it's pretty new. Um, still adapting, but I've kind of got Scott there, Joe there, who've been previous presence. So it's kind of you know, I'm any help there there, but I'm also trying to shift the club in the way that I want to shift the club. Um, just from a personal um aspect. Oh, it's very exciting. Go on, tell us more. Um, it's it's just a lot of a lot of different wee things here and there. Um, you look at the likes of the Trojans, you look at the likes of the Rebels, and like how professional and all they are. Um, it's not to say that you know we weren't being professional, but it's just some things kind of took a back side backseat. Um. So we're trying to adapt and overcome those scenarios and just try to push forward and the best way we can for the league. Yeah, I think that's smart. And I think that that is what supports your teams and your athletes to play at their best. I think that we will. Yeah. I mean, I think what the Trojans are doing in terms of like their marketing off the field game day experience is going to stand to them purely in terms of even like catchment area of the club. Like recruiting is easier because you have all of these events you know it's not just yeah. a a game it's an event and i i'm delighted that you know that other teams are are, are taking this approach on as well and how, how is it going so far it's going very well um i don't want to say too much just not to give away some things yeah. but um it's going very well the recruitment is going very well this year uh everyone seems to be buying in we're kind of not taking any more um Kind of take everything else for granted, and people aren't, you know, just taking the, just taking a back seat on things. And you're always being held accountable for certain situations, certain things, fees, the lot, everything's just a lot more structured and more organised this year. Um, we have a female treasurer on the board who is my partner. Um, she's kind of keeping everything tight ship. Uh, and then yeah, we're just trying to get everyone more involved and make it more like a family club. Um just to try and get more people down to it, more people and more events. Um, we're trying currently looking into a certain barbecue place near ourselves. Um, well, no one else knows this besides me, so it's exclusive. Um, we're trying to look into a wee barbecue place beside us to give us some more branding and more um, exposure. So. Nice. And barbecue on game day? Yeah, well... Um, the Mavericks game has changed location, um, but it's uh, probably a better pitch and better facilities than People's Park is at the minute, so it's not too bad. I was going to say, you've got the Mavericks there as your, your home opener, so you're trying to counter them. They've got the kebab pizzas, and you're going to hit back with barbecue. Uh, oh, with, yeah. Uh, with regard to that game, do you think it's... the t- like, Is the Mavericks a really tough start, or you get them early in the season before they get into a rhythm, or somewhere in between? To to be honest with you, I I know the Mavericks is our first home game, but 
from the defensive side of it and the coordinating side. I'm not looking past the Vipers. Like the Vipers is a Sunday and a lot of my stuff, like we're not taking anything for granted. Like whatever the Vipers finished last year, we didn't have the best seasons last year and a lot of people are not under like not not under anticipate what we're gonna do. I know you and Joe kind of fit us, you know, first with Peter at the QB, you're always gonna have a chance. But um I think there's a lot more people in the team that if Peter was to go out this year, like he did last year, we'd be more steady and structured. Whereas last year when Peter kind of got injured and other injuries happened, there was just no not leadership, but there was just a lot of rookies and we didn't know what to do, what it was to go around. Um this year it's a lot better. But I'm not looking past the Vipers. At the same time, we know it's going to probably be between us and the Mavericks, one and two, in some sort of scenario. So, yes, probably best to get them early on to see what they're like. But we've seen them today against the Eagles. Um, like, we haven't actually seen the footage yet, but we've heard things, and a few of our former players are kind of playing there now. So, we kind of know drips and drabs. And even if they have 15, 16 players, 17 players, they showed last year they can put up yeah. a score and they can mm. take you out so we're not taking anything for granted oh, yeah. firstly uh, congratulations uh, on being appointed as Cowboys defensive coordinator this year uh, but in terms of like overlooking the Vipers your team talk for next week sort- sorted itself out today there is a certain team in the Premier Division who is supposed to be the one seed and has a great quarterback and a great team and they're 0-1 because they mm-hmm. potentially I'm not saying they did but potentially look past other opponents so like the, all you gotta do is point to that and be like nobody is unbeatable you know so you, you've definitely got to take care of business against them next week yeah um like i said we've been gearing towards this game um like i said everyone probably thinks it's us in the mavericks um but to be honest with you we don't have much on the fibers we're taking them as a fresh rebuilding thing as we are um so we're going in offense is looking very very good defense personally speaking is looking very, very good. Um, we've changed up a few things with the help of Peter and given his expertise on what he would like to see as a QB and the receivers are getting their face on. If you're going up against a guy and he's doing this, what way would you react? We're trying to get into their minds. At the same time, also thinking, okay, what would we do in this situation? So having Peter and Greg, having Greg back's a really big help because he's, oh, kind he's, of given, me, yep. he's given me a lot of support. Um, because I'm not, I've I've watched the sport and I, I enjoyed it. I'm a Cardinals fan, so I think uh, Arsenal and Cardinals is kind of a wee bit of a, uh, wee bit hurts a wee bit. But um, yeah, so I do watch it and enjoy it. But it's just knowing the aspects because I usually play defensive line this year. I'm playing somewhere different, um, for the majority of the games. Uh, so it's about just adapting and also learning the coverages and this and that. So it's just. A learning game as you go but if you're not learning then you're not learning every day then there's you just fall behind absolutely yeah and i like that you're taking that approach of okay yes we know that we have the mavericks and that they're going to give us a really good game i like that you're even saying like that everyone has it as the the 2e but you, you know you're not being disrespectful let's say i think you know to the crusaders who i think are a very exciting team like they were really um very close to a final spot last year and they have some you know significant like recruitments um that have come to light recently so i kind of like that you're taking that approach i imagine it's the same for every team where it's a case that 
it's just the next game, which is a very smart approach to take. But I'm I'm wondering how much attention are you paying to the league that you're in? And then the follow, as in like, are you watching what all the other teams are doing and pay attention? And then the following question after that is, do you think that going, changing your division is that does that put you at maybe maybe a slight disadvantage i think everyone thinks it's an advantage because you're playing at a higher level the previous year but you're going into a division where it's all new teams you have to learn about probably each and every one team from scratch all over again versus let's say when you're in the premier where you have an idea of what each team plays yeah it's going to be a different aspect of different things that kind of counter. Um, the only thing I can probably think of is I know the Eagles of Coach Clatter, he's an amazing coach and we played them before and I'm pretty sure I'm not like 100% sure, I'm pretty sure it's the same stuff they played against us and it was not excruciating the play against but it was very very, very confusing. Yeah, very yeah. confusing. Um, we did manage to win. I think they won maybe one of the games like at some point. So we know, have a fair idea about the Eagles. Everyone else is, like you said, basically, no, no. Just um, on that then, like what way kind of looking at, I, I, again, I know it's a case of trying not to predict too far into the future, but yeah. is it a, you know, are you coming into this saying we, you know, our goal is Premier Division next year or... Are you kind of saying, listen, let's make hon. Um, so what we obviously we want to go back to the Premier Division. Um, we always want to be in the top division that we can possibly be. Uh, what I would say is probably a blessing is having a lot of new recruitment in this year, so they get like a proper year, and a, not to be like harsh to Division 1 but it's no SVC like last year we went up Joe will even tell you like the the teams the top teams are at different level um, I know there was some debate on another type of podcast about uh, people not getting selected for Wolfhounds and this and that but like different 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 level altogether like it was my first time playing SVC and it was a big big culture shock mm. um, but we want to get back up there and we want to improve and we want to show that we actually do belong up there um so that's what we're aiming for this year i I certainly don't think it's disrespectful i mean just to say that premier division is better than div one no no, i know it's it's broad strokes but you know it is fact if i can go off on a tangent quickly though if you've been president since september let i'd also like to congratulate you on another premier north title in the uh flag football uh last season you saw you guys have two different squads uh one in premier one in div one uh you're the only team in the island to do so by the way uh, and then you sent a traveling squad over to Scotland for flag in New Year. So like, combining that with the amount of players that you guys have had in the, the Wolfhounds training squad in the last two years, it just demonstrates how good and how important you guys are to the code of flag. How are preparations going ahead of the 2024 season in that code? Um, yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you, first and foremost. Um, honestly, I can't take too much credit. Um, like As you know yourself, Joe's came back from uh, the Panthers and he's put in a regime, and I've basically just give him the reins for a flag. Um, we're still overlooking it, but he has whatever he needs. We'll do what we can to supply him with the facilities, the equipment, whatever, because you know yourself, he's a big, big asset to have. 
Um, having the two teams, I played in the Division One team, mm-hmm. um, which was the Premier Division team was a lot more competitive and a lot more serious. But we also don't want to take away the fun aspect of playing with your friends, teammates, whatever. So that's why we kind of had two division or two teams. And at the same time, some people just couldn't commit to the training sessions and we didn't think it was fair for them to yeah. take spots from people who you know were committed and wanted to do this and that. Uh, we also want to bleed in women into the team, which we have done so. Um, currently, we have one out now who is pregnant, which is my partner. So she can't play at the minute. Um, other than that, uh, we're still looking to bring in more this year. Um, and I don't want to put words in Joe's mouth. But as a as the president, like part of the development, I want to hopefully have a women's team in the next couple of years. Um, it's just about getting the reach and the aspect of that, and trying to broaden our recruitment drive. Well, that's music to my ears, and like you are one of the teams that participated in, I think, two of the three um, strict mixed tournaments last year, where we had women playing. So appreciate it, yeah, <laughs> which is. Kind of got injured halfway through um, the training, and then obviously she needed she um, fell pregnant, um, so she couldn't play. Um, so we had to make some thing up for the final, being like, "Oh, she pulled her muscles; she couldn't play in the final." <laughs> <laughs> um, but we would like going to flag a new year. It's something that we always want to do. We want to go to these tournaments. I know there's one Trojans and the Panthers are going to over at Flagapalooza. I think it is something like that. Yeah. We would go. It's just our playoffs are in the middle of that season or that time. Yeah. And most of our kind of players play flag. So we probably can't send our players over because we're anticipating being in the playoffs. Hmm. Um other than that, we Joe, we had a meeting this morning. I wasn't there. That Joe has his coaching team in place and they're basically just prepping for the season. We had a good season last year. It wasn't the best season. We wanted to win both divisions. Like we're not gonna lie, we were disappointed. Joe was disappointed. Um, fair play to everyone who played. The Dragons are a very, very good team. The Leaf Slaps are a very good team. Um, like Panthers are obviously a great team, and the Raptors they were a great team as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. kind of, we got beat by the better teams. We didn't prepare truthfully. The Division One team we didn't warm up we didn't prepare properly that was a big letdown on my side and the team side itself we felt like we let Joe down a lot I can't speak for the Premier Division team but uh, it's just the top quality you can't get so that's where we're going to I think it was an incredibly competitive year as well so yeah I actually played a game with the Cowboys. Played um, the a, a strict mix last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it. It was really good. I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. You know, everyone's talking about how great Peter Lockern is as, as a QB. I was like, right, I want to want to see this. And he is kind of like a master of illusion, you know? There was yes. one hitch and he would go, Kelly, and he'd throw it to me. And then the next time he'd be like, Kelly, and he'd throw it to someone else. Yeah, try being defensive coordinator going up against Peter Lochran and playing linebacker and Peter just looking one way, throwing the other, making you like a total twat, just looking <laughs> look so stupid. Um, but it's just Peter. Peter's just amazing. Um, you, if I played Premier Division, I think you can probably get me a touchdown. 
I mean, it'll probably be like a one yard touchdown, but it'll be such tiny little at some point. Um, yeah, he's just a different, different animal. No, he's not half bad. He's no, he's, he's no Joe Kerr. Ah, well, Ian, Ian, care to comment? <laughs> no. <laughs> to bring it back to American football, then, you know, as someone I've participated in sports and lost every single game you know really bad but I've always really enjoyed it and I've always really enjoyed going against teams that are better than the standards that me or my team are playing at because I feel like I learn so much and there's something about being in that energy that I'm wondering you know you've this drive to get back to the premier even though you had a tough season last year did you, in a way, enjoy it regardless of how the season actually ended? Yeah, I. Every time I step on the field, I look at it not to be like pessimistic. But it could be my last. It could be an injury here or there. I got to enjoy it no matter what. Even if we're getting like, we're getting beat in the moment, I'm not going to be happy. But I look up the field. I'm playing a sport that I love. I'm playing a sport. I'm representing a team that. I've been with from the start and probably be with till the end. Um, I'm just doing my best out there, trying to make everyone as comfortable and be as supportive as well. Um, yes, so like I said, being losing your games does hurt, but the enjoyment and while we want to win, I'm never going off the field being like, oh, I hate this sport, I hate this, I hate that. I'm always trying to see the positives, even in a dark time. I think that's so great. That was like us after the European Championships. <laughs> it was just, yeah. It's yeah just Bill's resilience for the Bill's character. Yeah. Uh, like we're, we want to get back up. We're under no illusion. When we go back up, it's a different kettle of fish. But we're still going to do what we can and have more structure and just first time going up, culture shock. This time we know what to expect. Yes. That's... Um, Exactly yeah. it. A lot of us haven't played SBC football before. Um, and as Joe can tell you, when you go up, it's a, it's a big step about. Joe did well, so it's okay. Um, but we did not. I mean, if we can do well, <laughs> anybody can. Just, um, I think we do have to draw attention to the fact that you are wearing a different uniform than what we're used to seeing from our Craig Avon based team yeah um, this kind of came into came into play probably after last season a lot of people were talking about um, doing some sort of rebrand uh, changing the colour it was more just changing the navy to black and then as we started to explore different situations you're like well what if we just go for a black kit and see how that works out with black pants we wanted to keep the orange but we wanted to go a different orange so we wanted to go more armagh color um just for representing the county and everything around here mm-hmm. um but going from what everyone said today while the orange is still popular basically i think the majority of our team were um kind of pushing me to make our black the home kit, which is not going to happen. Orange is going to stay. Orange is the colour. But it's just nice to have a wee bit of a change and so that we are in the midst of a rebuild and a rebranding. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I will be the first to say that if you ever hold a night game, um, you you like legally have to wear that black uniform. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, that's fine. Well, I'll be up for that. Yeah. Well, it's nice. Um, it's really good that everyone kind of came together. Um, a lot of people in the teams are Bengals fans, so they were kind of happy with the colors. I was going to say it's a nice match, yeah. Yeah, so I think Joe's kind of even happy with that, is it? It might have something to do with it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. So, but yeah, it's nice. It's it feels nice. Um, did our photo shoots and all today. There's another one coming up. All day well next week, like a proper one. Um, but we just wanted to get it out before the Vipers game. Because you're focused on the Vipers game, I love it. Love it. It's more, full circle. It's more. It's, it's more just about being again. Not we're not professional, but we're trying to be the best we can be. We want everyone looking the same. Everyone being you know representing the team, representing the club. It's history at the same time as looking to the future. We want to be as professional and as truthful as we can. The oldest club in Ireland, so far as I'm aware. But uh, it, we're not professional, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with carrying yourself as a professional yep. in a professional manner. Love that. Love to see that. Yeah. Um, I have I have kind of, as being president, well, uh, first thing I did was kind of go around other clubs, not other clubs, but like talk to their presidents and, you know, members and see what way they're running things just to get a feel of what's happening, what way it should be run. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all trying to make the league better. Um, we all want to bring the exposure to the league and flag and kill it. So we're just trying to do what we can. Appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. Okay, I think we will probably have to wrap it up there. Jason, it's been lovely chatting with you. I really love the plans that you have and I'm, I can see them in action. I think the, the recruitment drive at the start is a really, really good kind of litmus test for the future and I think that everything that you're saying is very much like aligned with like future success so you know I think like as a chairperson you're you're nailing it and then best of luck with your with your game against the Vipers and um we'll see how you do as a as a defensive coordinator as well <laughs> but hopefully yeah. you'll be doing as well as uh as you are as chairperson yeah well we've we've kind of got a designated stats person, um, oh. two people. So, uh, one is help the walkie talkies. One is doing the yardage. One is doing the stats. So, hopefully, we'll have a lot of stats this year. Um, both sides of the ball. Good. Send Very them good. our way. Yeah, do please. It to my ears. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Thank you. Great. So that was Jason from the Cowboys and thank you so much to him from joining us. But we did not have time before the interview to go through our Div 1 games and we will not leave them out this week. Um, So let's get to those games. Um, Remind me how they went. Uh, Well, Mavericks Eagles uh, scored on was was, uh, 34-19 to the road team. Uh, a pair of Dan Finley touchdowns seemingly had the game killed off. I think it was 34-0. And then Wexford had their say at the end with 19 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. I challenge anybody, Premiership or Div 1, to score that. 19 points in one quid, the, the final quarter. Um, yeah. One thing I do want to say, and, and I will always uh, 
praise this guy because I have his jersey, uh, which is a really weird claim. I have, I have a fan jersey. Uh, I love me some Dan Finley. Dan Finley continues to prove that Division One athletes can make the Wolfhound squad. He was with the Wolfhounds there for the game last year in Turkey. I think he leads the division in Russian touchdowns this year. I mean, I know he, he's got two, but like I think he will lead it at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, big up Stan Finley. Yes, Stan Finley is a fantastic running back. And he's a running back, right? He, he plays running back and DN, yes, but he got the Russian touchdowns as a running back, yes. Correct. That's why I got confused because I was like, I'm I was like, I know he's running back, but I was like, I know he plays somewhere where you can't you can't have a rushing touchdown. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was like, Are you sure we're talking about the right Finley brother? But um yes, Dan Finley is fantastic. And he was know- playing somewhere that has Russian touchdowns. He was playing in Wexford today, the home of Russian touchdowns and that triple I <laughs> option awesome, yeah. offense, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I think that they definitely proved they belong in Div 1. Like, and yes. I know that they're 0-1, but come on. I mean, as much as you don't want to start the next seven games down by 34 points and trying to come back at the end, I mean, they're a worthy addition to Div 1. Absolutely. They need to start games quicker. Like, don't take the first three quarters off, as it were. But again, mm. week one, you always equate the first couple of games to, like, September in the NFL, where, other than Andy Reid, uh, nobody has their, their stuff together. <laughs> so, I think both head coaches in this game will be very pleased with what they've seen to an extent. Like yeah. Declan, Declan Mulvill's off to a fantastic start. Tricky road game. They've got a bomb all the way down the road to Wexford against an unknown opponent. Like everybody says, oh, they do that thing with the backs. Like, oh, they have all the run-out options. But until you see it for the first time, it's like, whoa. Now, I know the Mavs played them a couple of years ago, but I'm sure it's got a little couple of tweaks. Uh, and their offense and defense, Sean, for the first three quarters. And Coach Klatt will love the late fight back and the slew of points that really embodies his culture that he's reinstating to this Eagles team. Like they could not be killed. Like, they fought back valiantly. And it'll stand yeah. them in good stead as the season goes. Yeah, and... It's the story of the game, right? Where you know you come into this, and the Eagles are having have won the division that they were in the the previous year, which is again a, a step down. And I think it's it's fair to say that. And they're going up against what is well, no one longer of their toughest. no longer exists. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, was then you know it, it, it did exist, yes. So yeah, when it when it existed, <laughs> but you know, and they're going up against you know what is. Like you could say, they're their toughest, the toughest team. Do you know what I mean? The toughest team that they they might have to to sure. meet. It was a finalist last year, and so to go into that game and almost kind of uh, like a in a similar but not 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 quite drawing it, but a similar kind of story to the to the UL Admirals game where you're down by so much to actually have that belief to turn the game over and. What am I saying? Sorry, I got a I got a message there distracting me. But to have that belief and to to prove that you can do it, to prove that you can score, you can compete at this level, and to maybe even feel like, oh, you know, maybe if we if we had actually just maybe done that from the start. The other thing is, is you know, when you see a team in the fourth quarter that have a, like a hefty lead you know, start to lose their lead, you think, oh, maybe they brought all their rookies on, or maybe they did like some some something like this but I mean typically speaking the Mavericks aren't known for having like a slew of players that they can rotate in you know what I mean so I would say that the team it's very likely that the team that they started with is the team that they ended with and that the Wexford Eagles have put that amount of points up against what is currently the best Mavericks outfit 
Well, the the Eagles had a fumble recovery touchdown as well. So I just think not all scores are created equal. They scored three touchdowns, but it wasn't like three rushing touchdowns from the one yard line or whatever. They're scrapping. Like they're making mm. plays in special teams. They're stripping quarterbacks. They're punching the ball out. Like, I, like I'm really, like, I think I, I had the Eagles, if I remember correctly, as the four seed. I had them as a playoff team in my power rankings. I'm quietly confident with where I have them. I really, I, like, if you've got Eagles stock, buy Eagles stock. Like they were, they were plucky and they fought through. Like as much as it took them a little while to get going, they they just fought like demons in the in the fourth quarter. And I don't know how you score nineteen points in fifteen minutes. Like that's <laughs> so like they're just creating scoring opportunities out of nothing. And if they can channel that into good performance across two halves of a game, like there'll be some teams that'll be really you know fearful of playing them this year. Yeah, and they they had um you know they did they create pressure on Harty, who's a pretty good scrambler as well. Like I think they had two oh, yeah. sacks. They like you said, they forced they they um they had strip sacks, they had um fumble recoveries. Um I think they had a pick as well. Um what's the kicker he plays D, uh, DB um ah oh, Jesus the name escapes me. For um who? for the Eagles. Terry Casey Carey. Terry Carey. Yes. Um he had he had an interception. Um I don't know how late in the game it was, but it did, you know, again, they count. Uh and you know, it, that'll give them a bit of confidence going forward as well. I don't think um kind of like what you were saying there, it, you know, you do have quiet confidence in them like just because they lost here and we're down 34 nothing, you know, you, you know, we would still have a good bit of confidence in them. I think their next game is the Razorbacks. I want to say, and I think that's like three weeks away. So they have yeah. a bit of time to to kind of regroup and and you know find what went well and kind of emphasize that. Oh, they and, they know. lost by two scores to the team that was in the bowl last year and was yeah, like one play is- away from winning yeah. the bowl. And yes, I mean, and and they only scored points in the fourth quarter. Like so, like I, if they get it together, like you said, they got three weeks to prepare for this next game. But their floor, like where the point, the base point they're starting from week one is is high in my opinion it's got to be higher than they were maybe anticipating yeah i i think like i mean the result it's not an upset i wouldn't go so far as say it's an upset but if i am the eagles coming out of that game you know i'm coming out quite um like with a bit of confidence i don't feel a need to kind of like oh we need to get the team together we need to you know i kind of feel like oh no that actually went like that went well that was good you know so um yeah, I think uh, I, I agree with you. I think that they are ones to watch. I do think we give a lot of love to the Eagles run game and deservedly so. But I think that a player that we might start to see is wide receiver Luke Fitzpatrick. He played flag mm-hmm. for set two. Yes. And uh, he's quite good. You know, he's he quite a play. good. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. Let's see how the Eagles fare going on. And then the final game is that Jets Razorbacks. So well, I've seen I mean, it on socials. I'm, I'm going to steal a, a phrase from the Razorback socials because I think it's spot on. Uh, 44 points for number 44. Uh, so their number 44 is Danny Mall, and he was everywhere as per usual. That guy is a premier division player on a Div 1 roster. He forced and recovered a fumble on the opening play of the game. Like he, If we think that Finn O'Donovan is going to give opposing DC's nightmare, then Jets quarterbacks will have nightmares of Danny Mall. He was he annihilated the Jets in both their meetings last year. 
and I think this was their only meeting this year. I don't think they're they see them on the schedule again. But he's just a a freak, man. Like he's a special, special <laughs> player. Like he, he, I mean that as a call, but he's he's like a high motor. He's able to beat most tackles and linemen in that league. Sheds blocks, hunts the quarterback relentlessly. Like none of his sacks last year happened in the pocket. He just hunts you down. He's relentless. Some player. Uh, the Jets, to be fair to the Jets, the Jets are what they said they are in fairness. Like they are using this season yeah. to build for next. They are, they are the, the loading screen of the 2025 Andrum Jets. The fact that 50% of their points last year came against the Razorbacks and they were just shut out by them <laughs> fills me with utter dread that this might be a weekly occurrence. But look, if you're going to come out and say to everybody in January and February that we're bringing new rookies in, They've yeah. had a change at head coach. I'm presuming they've been changed at coordinators as well. Factory reset. We're in Division One. We're not contending for the play. I haven't heard anybody from the Jets say they're looking to get into the playoffs or anything like that. So let's use this as a building year and see where they go from there. The goal is simple. Fulfill all eight games, which they didn't do last year, and finish the season better than you started. And when you start by losing by 44 points, the, the only way is up. To summarize the game, though, because again, we, we've talked a lot about the the Eagles there, maybe not the Mavs. And we're talking a lot about the Jets. I do want to talk about the Razorbacks as well. The Ooh. Jets are in total rebuild. The Razorbacks yeah. should relish winning that game. That's their first win at New Forge in over 670 days. So to win, <laughs> it, win it by that kind of margin is huge. Yeah. But it's not just the win. They had passing touchdowns. Yes. Inclu- including one to James Cameron. Shout out, my boy. Uh, and uh, a certain returning GFL vet. Uh, well, so they they demonstrated an ability to pass the ball that they simply didn't have last year. So mm-hmm. I was worried that they were going to win this game by like 20 points and it was all one yard rushing touchdowns, uh, which means they're going to be outfoxed when they come up against better defenses. But the fact that they can pass the ball to various weapons opens up the run game because they scored on the ground as well. Uh, but they need to continue this trend. They can't stop passing the ball. They got the Eagles coming up and the Crusaders after that. And you've got to pass to beat both those teams. That's why Nathan Hardy was successful today against them. And we all know how good Jordan Farrell is. You, you can't be run first, run second, run only against Demons. So mm-hmm. they've got to be able to pass the ball. The Razorbacks showed today they can't. They have the capacity to do that. And they have to keep that in the game plan against these better teams. Yes. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how their defense holds up as well. Um, like you said, again, you've got you've got better quarterbacks and better in teams that they're going to be facing in the next few weeks. Um, so you know, again, it's hard, kind of hard to dampen on a forty-four nil win. But yeah. oh, we're we're not going to dampen yeah. it. Do you know? Yeah, you know, Joe, when you know when you're playing Madden, right, and you're playing in the exhibition mode. And guys like Khalil Mack have that special ability where after the fourth quarter, they just turn in, they just sack every play. It's ru- I hate Madden Mack, just ruins it. They have that special ability. They just shed all the blocks. So we're into the fourth quarter, super power-ups. Nonsense, man. Nonsense. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe I'm just old now. But uh, I, I hate the nonsense. Uh, but that's what Danny Mall is from the first play mm. of the game. He's just, I'm going to get sacks. I think he ended up with a sack, sack and a half today. He um, He's a nightmare. So whenever you play a team like the Jets, which is... Complete baseline, new rookies, new faces in new places, and they're not ready to go yet. Danny Moll's enough himself to get you a shutout. I, I, they're not going to shut many other teams out, you wouldn't have thought. Not a slight to them. Shutouts are hard to come by. Uh, but if they're going to contend with these better offenses, I mean, they're in the division with Jordan Farrell, Nathan Hurdy, Peter Loughran. Uh Oh, I, not to disrespect, what's the, the, the Rhinos quarterback name? Ethan Foster? Ethan Foster, Foster. yeah. Yep, another fantastic dual threat athlete. 
you're going to come up against better players that Danny Moe will not single-handedly be able to win the game against. So you're right. I'm keen to see how the defence goes from this point on. Great. I think on that little bit of a mic drop from you there, Inshal, I think that we will leave it there. That's not a mic drop. Tune in next week. I'll show you a mic drop. <laughs> I will show you a pipe bomb. Mic drop when you said the <laughs> amount of days, the amount of days that the Razorbacks have not won a game at Newforge. That was a nice little one. That was a little. That, that gave was... me big. Um, you know what the you know when the it's intro a fact? to Simpsons. <laughs> you know the <laughs> intro to Simpsons where they they're in the factory and they have an accident and they reset the counter for how many days since the accident. <laughs> Like reset. <laughs> yeah. The Razorbacks beating the Jets is no accident. That's a that's a regular occurrence now. I think they've won <laughs> three three of the last four, four of the last five. Anyway, yeah, it's just purely home games. Um, okay, I, I think the Jets will have been disappointed not to score in that game. I think that uh, even a, if a you little, take a, yeah. a big loss, it's always nice to score just because then you know you can, and it's important. Yeah. So you know, I'm wondering that's... if they've had a change of kicker because like. It, it's a rumor, of course, uh, because nobody actually knows what happened to Jets at Rebels. But I heard a, a really strong rumor that the Jets kicked a field goal uh, against the Rebels in that scrimmage. And I, like I know, I think it was last year was Connor Davison. I presume he's still there. Like they have the ability to kick three, and I know that three's not worth a whole lot when you're down by forty-four. But like I imagine they got into field goal range at some point in the first quarter, maybe. So I'm just wondering if he's still there because if he is, that he's worth a. He's worth three points a game. Yeah, Connor Davidson's a fantastic kicker. Fantastic. He came up through their youth system. Like he's he's brilliant at it. Really, really good. I mean, I think that any Premier team would love to have a Connor Davidson. Mm. Not the Rebels. They don't kick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, we will leave it there for today. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. We are your hosts, Kelly Dwyer. Ian Shaw and Avatar Joe. Avatar Joe. <laughs> we will see you all next week. See you guys. Good luck. <laughs>